Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, this holy week that we gather, not only to freely celebrate, worship, seek to hear your voice in our lives this day, but God, to remember, remember this last week in particular of your son Jesus here in his time on earth, to seek to worship this Jesus. Lord, today and especially this week, in these next seven or eight days in particular, speak into our hearts and minds in new and powerful and transformative ways. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. This week we finish up our series on the Lord's Prayer. We've been journeying through this for several weeks. It's the prayer that we pray every week. It is familiar, but like many things that are familiar, sometimes we lose sight of its meaning. We lose sight of its power, its significance for us. And so we take a look at this prayer that we pray each week, each time we gather as a part of our communion liturgy. We also gather this day, ironically, we do the last part of the Lord's Prayer, which is very fitting to this Palm Sunday, where we celebrate the beginning of this last week of Jesus on earth, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, his triumphal entry, the time of great worship, as the people stopped everything and stood and watched this Christ, this King, come to them. What a celebration. It's Holy Week, this journey that we begin today with Palm Sunday, all the way to our celebration next Sunday, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus on Easter. But there's much to do and much to experience first. We as a people tend to rush to Easter. We tend to be an Easter people, which is a good thing because we are a people of the resurrection. But we forget that there's much to happen before. There's much in between. There's much to do and experience. It is truly a week of ups and downs. It is a week of many significant moments, but also a week probably like many of our weeks, filled with mundane and normal moments. Yet all of these moments are meant to be holy. You see, that's the beauty of Holy Week. The good news is, though, that every week, every day, every hour can be holy if you allow it to. It's simply inviting and trusting God to do so, to make it holy. So we journey. Our next stop, of course, is Monday, Thursday. We celebrate that intimate moment in the upper room. It's one of my favorite services of the church year. Jesus in this last meal with his disciples, the Passover meal, some very deep and intimate moments there, a meal, a foot washing, the celebration of communion, the model that we use now each time we gather. Then we journey to Good Friday, an ironic name because it feels anything but good, but it's good because we know. It's good because of the work that Jesus completes. And so on Good Friday, we reflect and think about the suffering of Christ on the cross, suffering for us. We tend to skip Friday. 
all these twists and turns this week, all holy, all an opportunity to focus on the Lord. I thank God for this yearly ritual, this yearly remembrance this week because it's easy to get out of the habit to focus on God. In fact, it's quite hard to get into the habit of focusing on God. And so this Holy Week helps us. You see, in this moment... As Jesus entered Jerusalem, as the people gathered in worship, they got it right. It was a powerful and profound moment. They didn't come with their wish list. They didn't come with their hopes for healing. They didn't come with a list of questions, a list of frustrations. They simply came to worship their king. A model for us. This should be our posture in the midst of our questions, in the midst of our wish lists. To worship our King. It's a posture for us to embrace. What a moment. Later this week, the people will get nothing right. But in this moment, they get everything right. They simply stop and they worship. It's a model for us. When Micah was two or three, he would attend kind of a three-day-a-week program at the church I served in the morning, you know, just a Christian child care thing. And I'll never forget this. Uh, one day they were making binoculars out of, you know, toilet paper rolls. You've all done that probably at some point. They were making binoculars out of toilet paper rolls, and they were talking about how binoculars help you to see more, to look for things, to focus on things, and they talked about all the things they could look for. And they talked about, of course, looking for Jesus. And I'll never forget, Micah came home from that day of school, and for weeks, it seemed, he would walk around as if these these binoculars were glued to his face, and he would run around the house going, Jesus is coming! Jesus is coming! Always a little prophet, that one. <laughs> it's a moment I remember not just because it was cute or holy, but because it's a posture for us, looking for Jesus. You see, the people on this day, on this road, were ever aware, were looking, waiting with anticipation for this Jesus, shouting words of praise, Hosanna in the highest heaven. We come to this last part of the Lord's Prayer today. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever Amen. You noticed it didn't appear in our reading. It doesn't actually appear in very many translations in any of the Gospels. It appears in some. That's because this actually wasn't really there in the original Greek language that was written. It was added in the second century because this was a common doxology. A doxology meaning a common closing, a common celebration. Very common words. They're actually very powerful words, if you ask me. I want to read to you the, you know, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
Let me read for you from the message translation. You're in charge. And this is all with exclamation points, but I'm not going to shout too much. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. I love these words. These words that end the Lord's Prayer are so powerful. A powerful way not only to end the Lord's Prayer, but quite frankly, any prayer. That if, as you're praying, you don't end with the Lord's Prayer, or you're not sure what to end with, or you tire of the same thing that you end with, this is a great way to pray. You will notice that when I pray this, up here, if you're not closed your eyes and focused, that I pray this part of the prayer like this. Now, again, I joked earlier that us Lutherans are not known for moving our hands. I made that joke before service to somebody said, moving in general. But we're not known for that. But this, you know, we worship with our posture as well. This is why we attempt, if able, to kneel during confession. Stand for this gospel reading that our posture is a way in which we worship, not just our thoughts or our deeds, but our posture as well. It's an openness. We're indicating an openness to God, a, a letting go of ourselves is one of the ways to look at it. It's a simple act of worship, reminding us who everything belongs to, because we live most of our life like this, clenched and guarded, and the problem with worship postures is in some traditions, we don't have worship postures. In other traditions, we have lots too many worship postures. And theologically, what's most important is the heart by which you do them. Not worrying about your neighbor or whether Lutherans or Baptists or Episcopalians do it or not. But having a posture, opening our hearts. You see, worship is about you and Jesus. Yes, we do it together, but it's not about those around us and what they're doing and what they're not doing. And I can't help, every time I hear these words, except for when I'm driving, but to open my arms like this. Because for me, when I pray these words, I must let go. But I must also open myself to this king that we celebrate today, to this king that we should worship, obey, and follow every day. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. The words give me chills, to be honest with you. I can't pray that part of the prayer without experiencing something. I'm thankful that the power belongs to God. For me, this is honestly probably the most meaningful part of the Lord's Prayer. Because for me, there's nothing like letting go and inviting God in. It's probably the words that when I say them and pray them, I think about the least. My day is different when I focus on God. My day is different than when I walk into it with open arms instead of a clenched and tight posture. I'm a German, 
so that's natural. But my day is different when I open myself to God. When I wake up and say, God, this is your day. Speak to me. Guide me. I want to trust you. Help me be an answer to somebody's prayer. It's different when I have my day scheduled, my list to do, my hopes, my aspirations, my feelings. But then I just say, Holy Spirit, I give you this day. And I just go through the day watching for the Spirit, listening, opening myself up, and adjusting. I'll tell you, my day is just so different when I'm focused on God. My attitude, my perception, my posture, my demeanor, my reflection, what I see, how I see things, how I experience things, how I look at other people, how I look at myself. You see, the beauty of Palm Sunday is that we magnify. We recognize God's power. That's the beauty of the Lord's Prayer. For thine is the kingdom and thine is the power. It's giving God all of the credit. The kingdom, all of it belongs to him. The power, all of it is his. The glory, all of it is his. Not just today, not just Easter, not just on Sunday, but forever. And like a magnifying glass, when we take and we magnify something, we focus in, it enlarges. It gets our attention. We can't do it alone. This is what we do. This is what this part of the prayer is about. This is what Palm Sunday is about. It's about magnifying. I love it. These words are so transformative. Giving God all of the credit. Giving God all of the applause. That we recognize that the kingdom is God's. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven. The power and the glory belong to God. And this Jesus, who we recognize as our king, the only king, the only one we completely obey. Jessica's not here, I can say that. The only one we completely obey. The king that we worship. The king that we trust. The king that we seek. The king that we ask to be ruler of our life. The king that we love. That's what this day is to remind us of. That's what this part of the Lord's Prayer is all about. For thine is the kingdom. It all belongs to us. God, all belongs to God. God gets all the credit, which means it doesn't belong to us. We don't get the credit. We're really good at taking credit and giving God blame. For thine is the power, that we have no power aside from God. All power belongs to God. The power is not ours. For thine is the glory, that all of the praise, all of the credit, all of the glory, all of it belongs to God 
not to us. I have to say that to myself often because it's easy to forget in the midst of our humanness. The kingdom belongs to God. The good news is we get to be a part of it. We're children of this king, this king who loves us. We get to have a role in the kingdom in loving others and pointing others to this king. We get to partner with Jesus in that even though all the power is his, he uses us. We're partners with him. We get to be a part of this celebration with him. We have a role. It's the point of the church to help people here and there know this king who loves them forever and ever, not just this day, forever and ever. I love those words at the end of the Lord's Prayer. The amen, of course, simply means we're in agreement. May it be so, Jesus. I like the message translation. Yes, yes, yes. As Luther noted, we pray this prayer knowing that God is doing these things. But we recognize that it is God that is doing these things. We can pray this not with wishful thinking. Oh, I wish, God, that yours would be the kingdom and the power and the glory. Please, sort of, kind of. We pray this with certainty, with confidence. That's why this posture works for me. I don't need to be in control. I don't need to be in charge. Because God is. We pray this with certainty. This day, this Palm Sunday, we recognize and are reminded that Jesus is our King. The most loving, gracious, glorious and beautiful king, the only one who loves us completely without any condition, the only one who forgives us and forgets, the only one who offers grace no matter the circumstance, the most powerful one, the one who created and is in charge of all, the most glorious one, and so this day, we look to this king when we pray this prayer that we pray each week. We look to this king Jesus and we simply say, for thine is the kingdom. All of it is yours. And the power. I'm so glad God is powerful. Because when I'm powerful, when others are powerful, uh, it's frightening, it's dangerous. But it's also glorious to know that God is powerful when we feel powerless. The power and the glory. It's a celebration, folks. To God belongs all the glory. Not just for the good things that happen, but the, for the fact that we woke up this morning. Forever and ever. Amen. What a day. What a prayer. What a way to end this prayer that we have, this gift. It just simply gives me chills. I can't help it. To be able to know the one 
who is king and to know him more intimately than we even know ourselves. It's Holy Week. It's a journey. Some difficult things between our two celebrations. But whether celebrating, reflecting, or mourning, we can remember the worship of this king and we can lift up this last part of the Lord's Prayer because we know and we get to let go and give God all the control. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, for this celebration of Jesus coming into Jerusalem for the reminder that we are to recognize and worship him as our king. For this gift of the Lord's Prayer. For the way in which we end it with confidence, with certainty, with humility, with power, with passion. Thank you, Jesus, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.